0: Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Claire Odomodi today on SquawkPod. So, we have negative GDP, record inflation, but a healthy consumer? Yep, we're still on the biggest debate of the year, the R-word.
2: It's a really weird recession if it's a recession.
0: Then, we're going global a Saudi-backed golf tournament in New Jersey, and a two-hour phone call from the Oval Office to Beijing. The steps to Biden's delicate dance with Xi Jinping from foreign affairs expert and New York Times columnist Tom Friedman.
3: Eyes on the prize. The prize is Ukraine pushing Russia out of Ukraine. And for that, China is helping us again for its own reasons. I wouldn't be poking the bear right now.
0: Plus, a pivot to the social media powers that be—the Kardashian influence on Mark Zuckerberg—and dare I say it, the rest of us.
1: You can totally go down the rabbit hole of TikTok a lot faster than you can ever go down the rabbit hole of Instagram.
0: It's Friday, July 29th, 2022. squawkpot begins right now.
1: Stand back, to you by
3: In three, two, one, cue three.
0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to
4: Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
0: First up today, a question we asked yesterday on the podcast, and a question everybody's been asking all week. Are we? Are we indeed in a recession? Let me
1: speak to one other issue, the GDP, and whether or not there, we are in a recession. We've created nine million new jobs so far just since we've become president.
5: Businesses are investing
1: in America at record rates. That doesn't sound like a recession to me. Thank you very much.
0: That was President Biden in the White House following Thursday's economic report that GDP gross domestic product, shrunk for the second consecutive quarter. It's one of the traditional data points we look at to confirm an economic recession. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen continued the administration's offense, saying in a press conference, nope, no recession here.
4: This report indicates an an economy that is transitioning to more steady, sustainable growth.
0: And corporate America is showing a mixed bag with this earnings season. That's the quarterly reports of financial performance. On the upside, oil companies Exxon and Chevron reported record profits thanks to surging commodity prices. But high inflation hurt other consumer-facing companies like Procter & Gamble or Roku, both of which stumbled on sales numbers. To combat inflation and welcome consumers back to spending, the Federal Reserve has been raising rates and reducing its balance sheet to help bring down prices that have soared to their highest levels since the Reagan administration. Fed Chair Jay Powell thinks that these increases are hitting a sweet spot that will ensure price stability and maximum employment. In fact, neutral. We would move expeditiously
2: to get to the range of neutral and I think we've done that now we're, we're at 225 to two and a half and that's right in the range of what we think is neutral.
0: So low unemployment a strong July for the markets but some of the recessionary warning signs are still hanging around like a shrinking economy higher prices for necessities like food and that wonky bond market signal of the inversion between the yield curve on the shorter-term two-year and longer-term 10-year Treasury notes. It's one of the bellwether recessionary alarm bells and it's been sounding for weeks. Becky picks things up here.
4: This recession that nobody wants to call a recession is coming, Yeah, basically, is what the bond market says.
2: It's amazing, the uh, fear of recession. Fear. Have of we recession, decided yes. that's what we'll, well call it? it's a it?
4: slowdown. It's a big slowdown in the economy. I mean, I no understand. What, no it,
2: what you I, I, I understand the Potter-Stewart angle. Uh, I, I know, I know one John when I see one. Very I know yeah. one when I see one, and and uh, I understand Leisman's point that one-offs gave us the first negative quarter. Maybe this one is the start at one. I understand how people with an axe to grind want to say that it's all spin, but I do understand that you know when you're below four percent unemployment, it's hard to.
4: Janet Yellen said something yesterday that, that shocked me, actually. Just the idea that there are two job openings for every person who is unemployed at the moment. We've got two job vacancies for every unemployed person, which is a level of tightness in the labor market that we really, I don't think, have ever seen historically. That tells you just how strong that jobs market is. The question is, will it hang on?
2: Doesn't The market goes up after... By the time we realize we're in a recession, the market's already recovered. Right, markets recovering, so maybe we we already did. It's hit, just interesting hit to see these path. gains well, in the stocks. market I don't know if you saw. Did you? Yeah. I don't know if you saw down. Bill Ackman who took to Twitter last night. We always talk about him. I, I don't
1: know. And he, he, no, and he was talking about how you're going to have to raise interest rate, continue to raise interest rate significantly. He that. doesn't understand why everybody is sort of so, so sanguine, saying, "Oh, okay, now everybody can put but, down their you know pens and pencils and do and it's I don't all think just it's, a, a straight it's not the it's 70s. So how do you get down how do you how do you keep these levels down? Yeah, not the so. 70s.
2: I don't I don't I, both of them I I think even Ackman conceded maybe inflation's peaking didn't he but he still thinks we need to go much higher.
1: He seems to think that uh, he says, "I'm puzzled to understand how the Fed believes that we are already at neutral. It is counter to everything I understand about basic economics."
4: That was a strange line, that throwaway line about being at, at, at neutral at this point, and I'm not sure everybody is convinced that these are neutral rates. It's and again, but we
2: don't know what neutral is anymore. He says, "A neutral
1: rate at 2.25 percent, two and a half percent, only makes sense in a world with two percent stable inflation. It makes no sense in a world with nine percent, six percent, or even four percent inflation." Powell's views on the neutral rate have only served to materially ease financial conditions making the inflation problem worse and his job more difficult the Fed should clarify how it's determined that we are indeed at neutral greater clarity would be helpful for well all. I,
4: I, the Fed didn't say that it was going to stop raising interest rates though I, you know this but, I you at, I, but, but I think if you look at but I think
1: if you look at what right. the bond market is saying what other people seem to think it there's I, I think a people sense, just think maybe they're going to take their foot off the. You don't need the to get denied. What, yeah.
2: we're going to meet somewhere in the middle. That's what people are saying. I, I would think that the terminal rate at four. We're getting close to. If it did come, that's being very optimistic about inflation. If it did come down to four, we don't have that far to go if it stays at 6 or 7 then he's he's got a point if it stays at 9 and goes up from there 6 or
4: 7 sounds good from here
2: <laughs> it does but i don't i think for, you know if we double what we've had for for 10 15 20 years which they had trouble even getting to two and japan never did if we double it to four we go a little bit further and, and we'll be okay i hope i i mean i have not i have not had any problem with not calling it a recession as you know and and uh A lot of people that want to, you know, just say, wow, we're really, this is administration's horrible. They want to say, they're so quick to say it's a recession. And I I agree, basically, even with what the president said. Because of the strong job. Right. And because of everything. It just, it's a really weird recession if it's a recession. right. That is true. Amazon shares, another same story here, soaring. The company reported a loss of 20 cents a share, partly due. Uh, to the plunging value of its stake in Rivian. Uh, But revenue of $121 billion beat estimates of 119. Executives on the call said that the e-commerce giant hasn't seen the kind of inflationary impact that hurt its retail competitors like Walmart, Target, and Macy's. The company's CFO said demand uh, increased during the quarter, and June was very strong. He said Amazon made progress in bringing products back in stock and restoring delivery speeds to normal revenue from Amazon Web Services and advertising both beat Wall Street expectations. And guidance was also better than expected. And with today's gains, the stock is still down 17% uh, for the year. That's the bad news, good news, it's rebounded more than 29% in July, which is a little microcosm, sort of what we've seen uh, with a lot of uh, NASDAQ names. So, you know, nobody likes being down 17%, but it certainly would have been nice to buy and be up
4: But a 12% move today on a company that already had a $1.24 trillion market cap, I mean that is a significant move. We talked about the Walmart move the other day, but that pales in comparison to seeing a double-digit move in a stock that size, that's That's kind of unbelievable.
2: As for its Rivian uh, holdings, Amazon recorded a $3.9 billion loss on its stake during the quarter. That stake, which was worth $27 billion last November, is now worth about $5 billion.
1: Shares of Roku, they are cratering. The company reported a loss of 82 cents per share. That's worse than the 69 cent loss that analysts had expected. Now, revenue also missed. The company attributing the poor performance to macroeconomic conditions, including inflation and supply chain issues. Now, guidance also disappointed and maybe the reason you're seeing that stock uh, move down as much as it has. Roku said that the advertising market will continue to suffer in the current quarter, expects consumers to slow their spending. Roku said it had trimmed operating expenses and slowed growth of its headcount. Stock is down now more than 70% year to date. And I think raises all sorts of questions. I mean, do you put that in the category of sort of the Snap, Twitter, Meta, Alphabet advertising story? Because that's so much of that. At at a 70% discount, is Roku now officially a takeover target? If you're in the media landscape, talking about cutting the cord, do you want to own the box? Do, do, there was a view just a year ago that the box was so valuable. Is the box valuable? I don't know. This is a real question.
4: I, I think that there will be people circulating, looking at it. You have to at that kind of a discount, especially given the penetration that Roku has for anybody who.
1: Totally. The question is, what it. can you actually do with that box? I mean, there was a, there was a talk, if you remember, speculation that a Netflix at one point might want to have the box. Right. Do you need the box? No. Apple's got the box. Right cable companies have a box this controls what the screen looks like but what can you do with the screen there's and by the way there's not a lot of margin on the box itself it was always in you know, the advertising capturing piece.
4: capturing right. those viewers who are cutting the cable board right. i mean that's it's still got to be an attractive even if it's a melting ice cube at some point it's still
2: people were going to do, do it on their own attractive. when roku when roku was priced out of of being able to buy it they were going to do it on their own right now it's Viable, no, but, but if you're doing so much, it on your own, you might as well. But do now, it so
1: much of the software and tech, in terms of like operating, you know, if you buy a Samsung TV, you don't need a Roku box because right. frankly, like it has TiVo? all it has I all, all the stuff in it. Right.
4: Is this going to be like TiVo, where it just its moment? I don't know.
1: Roku still has a TiVo, so yeah. you know, <laughs> don't pour mouth the TiVo. You do. You do.
4: That must be the only old technology you have. You have Everybody thinks else we're crazy. Art.
1: It's true. That is actually true. Everybody thinks we're crazy. Wow. And if you got an Apple TV, it's... We've got multiple Apple TVs. Yes. Yeah, so what's... Well, I have the why? TiVo. Yeah. Like, it's like attached to too many things. Um, you know, you need the AV guy to come.
0: Tees will be next. Coming up on SquawkPod, pro golfers are hitting the green for a lot of green, if you catch my drift. But here's the catch. They're in essence accepting money from Saudi Arabia. Geopolitics, sports, and business are all up next with New York Times columnist Tom Friedman.
3: Condemn them uh, harshly for for what they did to Khashoggi. Um, You can uh, keep an arm's distance between the president and the current leader, but the fate and future of Saudi Arabia is a hugely important U.S. strategic interest.
5: This episode is brought to you by AARP.
0: Welcome back to Squawk Pod. We're going around the globe today, starting with New York's backyard, the Garden State. Live golf is a Saudi-backed golf league that has attracted some big-name PGA Tour players and some big controversy on and off the green. Today kicks off their third tournament at former President Trump's golf course in Bedminster, New Jersey. Live golf is financed by the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund and since its debut the pga tour has suspended players who have chosen to participate you can see the appeal for players live offers 25 million dollars in prize money at its tournaments that's far more than currently offered on the pga tour top pros are reportedly receiving big payouts for simply signing on but accepting a purse from the saudis well it's about a lot more than money this is pga tour commissioner jay monahan last month
4: i am not naive if this is an arms race And
2: if the only weapons here are dollar bills, the PGA Tour can't compete. The PGA Tour, an American institution, can't compete with a foreign monarchy that is spending billions of dollars in an attempt to buy the game of golf.
0: CNBC's own Dominic Chu, an avid markets watcher, but also an avid golfer himself, sat down with Live Golf's president, Atul Kozler, this morning.
1: Uh, Atul, thank you very much for joining us thank today. The
0: world has not forgotten the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi at the hands of the Saudi government.
1: You decided on a very personal level to take this job, uh, knowing who was backing uh, this league. And I just want you to sort of take us inside your mind about that, how much money played a role, uh, how you think about the human rights abuses that have taken place uh, in Saudi, and what you think players and the public should be thinking about this, especially at a time when we keep hearing that millennials and others uh, really do care about following the money. There are people, I'm sure, who said to you, look, you should not be in business with these people.
0: For Kozler, it seems, it's just business. From my end, uh, this is
5: a commercial investment that a fund is making, a private equity fund is making in the world of golf. And they do business all over the world, in, 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 including in many companies in the United States. So we are just one of those.
0: Foreign affairs expert and New York Times op ed columnist, and an avid golfer as well, Tom Friedman. He joined our TV broadcast this morning to run down the many global conflicts hitting business today. This live golf story for sure, but also China and the war in Ukraine, and America's role in all of it. Here's Andrew.
1: President Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, had their fifth phone call yesterday for more than two hours to talk about headlines from around the globe. Tom Friedman is the New York Times foreign affairs columnist and the author of Hot, Flat and Crowded and so many other books. Uh, Tom, it is great to see you this morning. Let's talk about the call that the president had uh, with President Xi, what you think it means, if it means anything at all, and how concerned you are about China potentially taking a look or doing more than taking a look at Taiwan, uh, given some of the reports that uh, a lot of folks in Washington seem to be very concerned.
3: Uh, well, Andrew, good to be with you. You know, um, I think we should think about the context of this phone call. And the most important context of this phone call is that uh, back in February, when the Ukraine war started, uh, President Biden, his national security Advisor Jake Sullivan, had some really tough conversations with China and President Xi and his foreign minister. And those, those conversations basically were the United States telling China, do not enter the Ukraine war on Russia's side. Do not provide military equipment to Russia. Um, and uh, lo and behold, China for its own reasons, Andrew, for its own national interest, did not do that. Andrew, that was a really, really big thing. Um, a really important development. That China has not given military aid to Russia. Um, now, given that, um, it seems to me, you know, my grandma used to say, Andrew, never fight two superpowers at once. It was just a little thing grandma used to say. Um, we now are focused, have to be focused on on basically Ukraine pushing Russia out of Ukraine. That is hugely important. China is playing an important role in that. Right now is the time to have good relations with China open dialogue and not doing anything to provoke them because eyes on the prize the prize is ukraine pushing russia out of out of ukraine and for that china is helping us again for its own reasons i wouldn't be poking the bear right now
1: so tom what does grandma say though about taiwan in terms of that being the next sort of strategic piece in this larger geopolitical um, battle, frankly, that's taking place, uh, even if we don't want to call it that.
3: Yeah, Grandma had something to say about Taiwan, too, Andrew. Grandma said, you know, I love Taiwan. Uh, It's an amazing country. So much has changed in Taiwan over the last 40 years. There's only one thing Grandma used to say that hasn't changed in Taiwan. That's its geography. It's still a tiny island off the coast of a giant mainland. Um, I'm hugely impressed with Taiwan. I love its democracy. I I I love its technology. Um, I I just wouldn't be poking China right now. Uh, It's just not the time to do it. Nothing particularly is on the agenda right now. And Graham always said countries that forget their geography, uh, they can get in a lot
1: of trouble. So what do you tell Nancy Pelosi then? Uh, A lot of folks that apparently, according to The New York Times, our, 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 our paper, saying that uh, inside the White House, they're very concerned about her going over there.
3: Just stay home. This whole trip is completely out of context. Um, Eyes on the prize. The prize is Ukraine defeating Russia. China's helping us do that right now. Don't poke them, Um, especially at a time when Xi Jinping about to uh, try to secure a a third term in power. I think floundering at home in many ways, uh, terrible COVID strategy, um, lots of problems with, uh, you know, with, with, with dead at home. Uh, he'd love a wag the tail option, I'm sure, um, uh, wag the dog option, excuse me, uh, by uh, distracting his people's attention from his own failures at home, by doing something on Taiwan. Be smart. Think of the context. Don't give him that kind of opportunity right now.
2: Thomas Joe, and, and I know you probably saw some of that interview with, with the live Golf guy. Yeah, you probably have a lot of thoughts about that. Not everybody knows how good he. Are you? Is your handicap gone up at all, Tom? Is it? What is it? A four? <laughs> I mean, he really. Well, a this good is golf. this
3: is Cave's Valley Golf Club behind me, Joe. So you know what I'm doing today. You know, so uh, honestly, uh,
2: four, four or five. I mean, he's, he's, a, I he's would, a bona fide. I want to get his views on this. I want to get your views on this, and I know I can ask you this question. I was hoping Please. to get. Uh, it's an issue related to the China discussion. You're a voracious reader. I know you probably saw this yesterday. It is the New York Post that talks about uh, President Biden, his son's uh, business dealings in China. It's the it's the New York Post. It's not the Washington Post. It's not the, uh, the New York Times. In your view, would you say there's been a reluctance uh, for major media outlets to pursue that story um, and is that okay, do you think, and or is it important? Do you feel it's important that we follow the evidence here to see where it all leads, whether uh, the president's son benefited from influence peddling or whether even the president himself may have benefited, uh, President Biden himself, from influence peddling? Is it a story?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You, you pursue these stories unto their innermost parts. Um, uh, I know the New York Times um, felt it didn't pursue it um, originally as much as it wanted to. Then it followed up, uh, as I recall. Not an expert on that story, but
2: yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all for getting to the truth wherever it leads. It, I just uh, it plays into the Pelosi piece. It, it, there are people on on the other side of the aisle, not from where you are, but think that it's very important for her to go there. And backing down now sends a very bad signal to the rest of the world that that we can be bullied or cajoled by President Xi or by by mainland China to, I don't know, that it sends a bad signal for our ultimate um, relationship with Taiwan, whether we have one.
3: You know. Honestly, Joe, I think it, 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 all Nancy Pelosi has to say is I'm not backing down, but I'm postponing it because the context right now um, could be inflammatory. I yeah. stand by Taiwan. I'm just postponing the trip. But it, uh, it, that, it, that it
2: almost looks like President Biden does have uh, some type of weird relationship with, with China. It, it could have something if we knew the rest of this other story and where that ultimately leads. Maybe Joe, that Joe, informs this dis- No,
3: Joe. this is this is hardcore geopolitics. As I said at the beginning, China did something really important uh, in the most important geopolitical story of our time right now, and that is the Ukraine uh, effort to push Russia out of Ukraine. China did that for its own reasons, Um, but that is very important to our geopolitical interests, and we should be focusing on sustaining, keeping China out of that war. Don't fight two superpowers at once. That's stupid.
1: Hey, Tom, I uh, want to uh, switch to uh, golf for just half a second, but it's not really just golf. It's geopolitics, in fact, which is we just had uh, the head of uh, Live On, uh, this, uh, this match taking place over the weekend, tournament taking place over the weekend. I'm curious how you think about it, uh, because there are so many questions about the relationship that the U.S. should or should not have with Saudi Arabia, given the huge human rights abuses. Uh, the president was just there. There was the fist bump. Uh, is that give us permit, you know, what, what, when is there? Is there a penalty box? Is there a time clock on the penalty box? H- how how should people think about this?
3: Well, look, we're mixing a lot of things here. We're mixing the Persian Gulf and actual Gulf, G-O-L-F. So I think we've got to keep the two separate. From an American point of view, uh, I think we have to maintain a relationship with Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, it's geostrategically important. It's economically important. It's hugely important the reforms continue in Saudi Arabia, um, uh, the religious reforms, the social reforms, because Saudi Arabia is the the beating heart of the Islamic world. And so um, I I think you can, on the one hand, uh, condemn them uh, harshly for for what they did to Khashoggi. Um, You can uh, keep an arm's distance between the president and the current leader. But the fate and future of Saudi Arabia is a hugely important U.S. strategic interest. As for the live golf tour, um, I think that's a wholly different kettle of fish. I think it was a huge mistake uh, from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Basically, they've spent a billion and a half dollars taking uh, the the murder of Khashoggi from the news pages to the sports pages. Um, That's the biggest thing that they've done. Um, I I don't think it's a serious thing. Look, when I grew up, Andrew, I loved to go to the circus and I loved to watch the acrobats um, and the trapeze. But I never confused the circus with the Olympics Tom Friedman,
1: (laughs) uh, we are up against a hard break. want to thank you. Uh, We hope you have a great weekend and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you again very, very soon. Always so smart on so much. Cheese will be
0: next. Next on Squawk Pod, everyone from the Kardashians to Andrew Ross Sorkin have strong feelings about social media.
1: We just want to look at pictures and we want to look at pictures of people that we follow, not all these people you're trying to recommend.
5: That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. This podcast is supported by FedEx.
6: Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.
0: You're listening to SquawkPod from CNBC. And yes, we're still asking if we're in a recession. And we're also reading your tweets. Stand Joe by in three, two, one, Good
2: Joe. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box uh, here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site uh, in Times Square, where we're definitely not in, in a recession uh, at this point. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick uh, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Uh, I actually do agree with most of of that analysis I do now we're not, not in a recession market. yes
4: because of the strong job market and because you are seeing so much demand Right. when you look at a company like Apple what they earned yesterday when you look at a company like Amazon what they earned yesterday right. when you look at a company like ExxonMobil what they earned today
2: but I and I am I have fears of a recession, so the, everybody's right. There are, it, it has heightened fears when you get too Consumers negative. Consumers are coordinate.
4: feeling the pinch because inflation. Right, so. And by it, the way, I saw, it, I thought Janet Yellen did a good job yesterday right. of yep. basically walking that line saying, yep. we understand it, we haven't seen inflation like this since the 70s. People are getting hurt.
2: We're doing our jobs too. One person thinks you're headed to, to start your own Fox network, right, because, and then I. I saw I, that. I, yeah, you saw that. Bizarre. And I have turned into to Joe Biden's water boy, so that's where.
4: These are actual tweets. That I think these are good
2: uh, These are good things, aren't they? That, that
1: we can be play outside our comfort zone. So meta is ending a test version of its Instagram app that drew the ire of many users, including celebrity sisters Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian. It's going to be rolling back a recently released version that predominantly featured recommended videos selected by algorithm on users' home screens. Now, Instagram's chief, Adam Masseri, is saying he's glad the company Took a risk in changing the platform to meet changing consumer habits from photos to video, but he said they need to take a big step back and regroup. He said the number of recommended videos would decrease but will rise again once the company feels it's improved the technology. We were just talking about TikTok because what they're trying to do with reels and images is a lot very similar to what tiktok is doing I was which
4: is saying stop trying to be tiktok we want our instagram back we just want to look at pictures we
1: just want to look at pictures and we want to look at pictures of people that we follow not all these people you're trying to recommend right. having said that you can totally go down the rabbit hole of tiktok a lot faster than you can ever go down the rabbit hole which is of instagram
4: why the company backed off but only temporarily they're, they're going to have and and to they're going to figure out how to do back.
1: this without upsetting everybody
4: They'll probably
1: have to get some of those you influencers spend, on board. You, you're spending more time on which at this point? Instagram. I'm, I'm much more on Instagram. Uh, but I, I was saying last night, I started to go down and this rabbit hole of TikTok, for how long? which was shocking. For how long? I, I, probably an hour or two.
0: That's our podcast for this Friday and for the week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Catch them weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And get the best parts of our TV show by following SquawkPod wherever you get your podcasts. Also, let us know what you think of SquawkPod. You can send us a tweet at cnbc, Or you can even rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Have a lovely day and weekend, and we'll do it all again next week. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Thank you so